Welcome to the Tanya Acker Show. Earlier this year, the FBI issued a national public safety alert about sextortion schemes, which it defines as coercing someone to send explicit pictures online and then extorting them for additional explicit material and or money. Last year, over 3,000 minors were targeted by online sextortionists, and more than a dozen of those victims died by suicide. Gavin Guffey was one of those victims, a 17-year-old boy who took his own life after being terrorized by online sextortionists. I spoke to Gavin's father, South Carolina State Representative Brandon Guffey, about how he lived through this unimaginable tragedy and what he's doing now to honor Gavin's memory and protect other victims. Welcome to the podcast, Representative Guffey. Tell us how you learned that Gavin was the victim of online sextortion. I received a message from my 14-year-old cousin's mother, who lives about an hour north of us up in North Carolina. She had come across some information and really needed to speak with me. She understood everything we were going through, but it was very urgent. And whenever she shared the information, what we found out was the extortionist was trying to extort my 14-year-old cousin in order for him to try and save Gavin's name and to send in the images. He struggled with that. He had been dealing with that for 24 hours on what to do, trying to figure out how he could pay these people. So in his mind, his cousin's name wouldn't be ruined. And the person was actually pretending to be Gavin's online girlfriend and that them two together were being extorted. Um, So he had no idea exactly what was going on. Almost the same time, um, I came in to share my wife the information and my 16-year-old son, Cohen, received a phone call off of Instagram, and he just picked it up and angrily said, I don't know who this is, quit calling me, and hung up the phone. And at that time, grabbed his phone, noticed that there were many missed messages because they were all in request and phone calls. Um, grabbed my phone, noticed there were many missed messages and calls because they were requests all by the same profile. And then we contacted South Carolina Law Enforcement division to come over and they intercepted the messages as my 16 year old to try and gain further information from the extortionist. Now I was still in the dark as far as what all was going on. All I knew was that someone online was extorting. Now the message I know from my cousin was saying that it was Gavin's online girlfriend, which I just had a conversation with him a day or so before about his dating life and decisions that he was making and, um, That was nothing that was ever brought up. So it was all new to me at that time. The day before his death, you were talking to Gavin about his life. What did he say to you? Did he give any clues? Did he give any signals? Is there anything that you can look back on that might point to this harassment that he was dealing with? No, because the harassment only lasted an hour and 40 minutes. That was the biggest shocker. Um, And as you talk to any of these parents that are losing children to extortion, and now I deal with one to two calls per day. Matter of fact, over the past 72 hours, I've dealt with a 16-year-old female and a 17-year-old male in my district of South Carolina that that are currently being extorted. And this is something that I do believe is going across the globe. What was the lure? How did these people who were pretending to be an attractive young woman, suck Gavin into this horrible, disgusting trap. 
he was playing video games at midnight. Uh, so evidently it started a little prior to midnight, but he was playing games. I know the first message that was sent to him said, are you in the military? Which in my mind should have been a red flag to begin with because he had this long floppy hair. Um, and anyone that's in the military usually has that high and tight look to them. Um, and he replied back with no. And then she replied back with what, well, you're cute and I'm such and such. Nice to get to know you. And I think he even replied and said, I'm playing games. And it just turned into one of them conversations of, so do you want to play games? And, you know, and then sends him a picture. He gets off the game with his friends. He told his friends that he had to jump off because I was fussing at him about being too loud, which was not true at all. And he gets on this video chat with the girl through Instagram disappearing messages. And the kids feel safe on Snap and these disappearing messages because they think that, well, if someone's going to record it or take a screenshot, I know about it. What they don't realize is the scammers are talking to them on an iPad and they're sitting there with another iPad or a phone and recording every bit of it. So then they can use those images and doctor them up any way they want. In Gavin's case, he was playing games with other friends. And mm -hmm. then he got an Instagram messenger messenger that had mutual friends of his. The girl was already friends with some of his friends online. And she was a college student at another, uh, at another college. She was a college bas or volleyball player. And is what her profile said. So whenever she reached out to Gavin, Gavin didn't think anything of it because he's like, okay, well, they're friends with this person and they're friends with this person. So, you know, I know them through attrition as opposed to physically knowing who they were. There's another note there uh, just in terms of assuming that you know someone online just because they know or say they know other people. Like it, it doesn't take much to accept a friend request. So they pretended to be a young woman, lured him. I assume that the this person sent uh, compromising pictures, encouraged him to do the same. And then they said, what, now you're going to pay us? Once they had the money, they said that they wanted payment. And I don't know all of those messages because it's still an active investigation. I know from looking at other parents and since I've gotten involved in dealing with other kids that are dealing with this, I mean, they go as far. I know one of the messages that Gavin sat or sent said he had requested to wait until Monday until he got paid, which he had money in his account. So I don't know why he was, I guess, essentially saying that he didn't, but he was telling them to wait until he got paid. And they were saying, okay, well, let us know in the morning. And he said, good. He said, if you had sent those out, I'm sitting in the room, in my room with a gun right now. Um, but I've seen it on messages where someone says, you know, I might as well kill myself. And they say, go ahead, you're already dead. Um, and what people don't realize is once you send money, they will never stop. That is the green light. Once they receive a dollar from you, they know that they can get more money from you. You care more about those images than you do about the money. And if you don't care about the images, then what good is it to them to go ahead and share those images where they could get blocked through one of these platforms for sharing child pornography? Because if they're reported just for sharing the images, yes, I mean, there has been instances where they have sent out images, but what they do and I, I would imagine they did this to Gavin because I've seen it. They will 
make it look like they are sending the message out to everyone. And if you look at the bottom of the picture, it doesn't say sent. So they'll sit, they make it look like they sent it and they're like, oh yeah, it's going out now. So you want to play games. Had he sent them money? He sent them money? He did. He sent them $25 and he did that through Cash App and was trying to do more. They were trying to convince him to steal his parents' uh, credit card and give it to him, which he flat out, you know, said that he was not going to do that. I'm still not sure what the point was, what the turning point was for him to just go ahead and take his life. And it was subsequent to that, uh, did you say one day, two days, that these extortionists were reaching out to cousins, to Gavin's cousin? That night, the same night that your boy took his life. That night, they were reaching out to him. They got the images. A couple of days later is whenever I found out that he was being extorted because after they knew that he committed suicide, they tried to extort his 14-year-old cousin, his 16-year-old brother, and his father because we were all friends with him on Instagram and shared the last name Guffy. And then once, in my opinion, once they found out I was in politics, they came after me hard. August the 20th would have been Gavin's 18th birthday. My wife and I went out of town and we're sitting in Myrtle Beach, which is about three and a half hours away, just trying to get a little bit of peace. And I'm sitting out there a little bit after midnight And I get a message and I was told by law enforcement to ignore these messages. They're going to try to bait you. They're going to try to get you to respond. I just continue to ignore them. In my mind, I'm thinking that they are having conversations with them on the back end that I'm, that I'm unable to see because they were continuously sent messages. Um, What were they saying to you? What what, what sorts of things were these people saying All the messages before then, I wasn't really paying too much attention to. I was just trying to ignore it because I knew my anger would get the best of me. But the message that they sent me on his birthday said that I tell you your son begged for his life with a laughing face emoji. And at that point, of course, I went off just as any other parent was. I I told him, I was like, I will find you. I will end you if it's the last thing I got to do on this earth. And um, they said, I think the reply back was, that's cute. Um, you, would, you, you wouldn't even know how to find us. Um, and I could just continue to bait them. They even tried to tell me they were hired by a political opponent. And I said, okay, so how much money are you want? And they were like, well, you're in politics. We want $5,000. And I think I replied back. And I was like, that's an insult. Like, if you were hired for somebody for $5,000 to come after me, then you're the dumb, you're the, out said a bad word sorry (laughs) you're the dumb one for thinking that that was only worth five thousand dollars you could have contacted me and things would have been a lot different but it was obvious they had done their research on me representative guffey uh it certainly bears noting that you and your family are not alone in being victimized by Uh, these sorts of online terrorists in december of last year the fbi issued a public safety alert that it had received more than 7,000 reports related to the online sextortion of minors, Uh, which brings me to how you turned this unspeakable tragedy into a call for justice for other South Carolinians. Tell us about your bill that you introduced in the legislature. Well, I wanna point out something before we get to the bill, if you don't mind. Please. Um, I wanted to go public with this very early. The fear was that I would interfere with the investigation. 
but it was not anything that had really been heard of. We didn't know that if we were being targeted just because of politics. Um, but the day before the general election, I had to resign from my county council seat, and there was no guarantee that I would win the state house seat. Um, so it could have very well been my last uh, public appearance. And so at that time, I recorded the YouTube video, which goes on for 50 minutes explaining everything. And then I made a statement at county council. I was the first one that I was aware of because as I would look online, I could not find situations of this um, that it was currently happening. I was contacted by ICAC, which is Internet, Internet Crimes Against Children. I'd spoken to the Secret Service Task Force. We were talking about how large of a crime that this was. Um, and I know the FBI wanted to issue a statement in December prior to kids going on Christmas vacation. Now, the scary thing is, is they said there were 7,000 reported cases. However, what I was told was that was an estimate, uh, an estimate of only 4% of the actual number of cases. Because wow. if kids feel like they get away with this, then they're not going to report it. The problem with that is if you, if you did those numbers and you read that same study, that statement that the FBI issued, they're stating that there's over 100,000 cases of people coming into your child's bedroom and targeting them. The problem is, is everyone suffers from that, um, what do they call it, NMK syndrome of not my kid, thinking that they are protected. And that is not the case. Even some of Gavin's friends that are fully aware of what happened to him have fallen victim to sextortion since then. I deal with more phone calls from kids than I deal with from adults. Kids are resourceful and will find a way to reach out. The 16-year-old that reached out to me um, the other night, Saturday night, just sent a message at 12.30 a.m. said, I need help. Had no clue who she was. I, I wouldn't know her if I saw her. But just trying to speak to her and trying to get her to come to her parents and let them know. But they have this, this terrified feeling. And you can only imagine taking your worst moment, your most private or intimate moment, and that just being shared amongst everyone. Um, so it, it's a tough response. Now, you, you mentioned about the Gavin's bill. So whenever that came out, I was in contact with, um, I've reached out to Lindsey Graham's office, Congressman Norman's office, Senator Tim Scott's office, all just trying to get this information out here. Matter of fact, Representative Norman's one who got me in touch with Secret Service to get them involved in the case and Homeland. Um, but just trying to go through this, it's like no one knows how to address it because it's such a it's such a new crime, but moving so fast at the same time. And it's, okay, what laws can we use to protect our children? We can sit here and say, don't send photos, but that doesn't solve the problem. They issued that statement. I think there was two or three of the parents that have gone national, lost their children during that time period as well. Because these, these scammers know whenever kids, typically they try to get them on weekends, um, but they know whenever they're not in school and they're trying to target them at those times as well. Your bill, which I understand passed unanimously in the South Carolina legislature, would make sexual extortion a crime punishable by up to 30 years. Representative, how do you find these people? 
how do you get them? I mean, you know, one of the things that you mentioned that they were taunting you with was you're never going to find us. But yet and still, we know so much about how preferences, you know, the things we buy are tracked online, the things we watch are tracked online, who we talk to, like there are ways of tracking information. Why can't, or rather, let me put it to you like this, how do we catch them and what's the status of the investigation into Gavin's extortionists? First of all, the Gavin's law, we did change it. That's one of the reasons I have it unanimous consent, because I was I had it as the harshest penalty other than the death penalty in South Carolina. And it was a mandatory minimum sentence at that time. We changed it to where it's 20 years uh, for targeting a child and uh, an additional 20 years if it results in death or great bodily harm. Now, those sentences are important because it makes it a felony. Um, and you asked about how do we get a hold of them. Imagine going to the local police department and you say, my child is being extorted online. And the police officer just says, yeah, it's probably somebody ever sees. Just block them. That doesn't solve anything that's going on. You want someone going after these people. But the problem is, is local police departments won't go after them because they don't have the resources. They don't have the time. It's happening too often. I guarantee if you reached out to your local police department, they would tell you exactly how many cases that they're having to deal with. The most important aspect of Gavin's law that we added was actually, um, believe it or not, it was com- it, it came from the minority leader in the House who I often butted heads with and did not, um, he said, um, he said, awareness is your number one goal, right? And I said, yeah. He said, why not write it into the law? And I said, well, how do I do that? And he said, just make the school districts have to inform everyone. So we wrote it that the school districts have to inform parents and teachers, um, and the attorney general's office has to inform the general public about Gavin's law on an annual basis, and now they have to report these instances. I think as we start showing this, then people will realize how prevalent it is. And it's not as if people are only targeting kids in South Carolina. This is happening across the United States. And if every state started just implementing nothing more than the awareness portion, because federal laws can take care of them in many different ways. But I've been recommending to parents that are their kid is being extorted, just reach out to your local FBI. You can call your your FBI field office, get them involved. As the FBI stated, there were 7,000 crimes. That's only what was reported to the FBI, not what was reported to local sheriff's departments, local police departments. And those officers just said, yes, just like the Nigerian email scam. Well, no, there's a difference because they are targeting children and at-risk adults. There are multiple ways of of sextortion. Typically, it starts with 10 and under. The one way that I know that they're doing it is through a game called Roblox. They will typically take a picture of a child, Photoshop another child's face on it, and then tell that child that if they don't send them more photos, they're going to tell their mommy and daddy. They then take those photos, sell them. The teenagers, they do the, um, the show me yours, I'll show you mine. I know you, they're playing on that. They go after males that are entering the army or military because they know they get a sign-on bonus. They try to get them on dating sites, pretending that they're a 19-year-old girl. And then whenever the Army person starts talking to them, they then say, you're talking to an underage girl, and their dad calls them and ends up extorting them for money that way. Um, And then they go after professionals on these affair websites. What is your advice to other parents about how to talk to their kids about not being ashamed? 
because that's really the weapon of these people. The weapon is shame and embarrassment. What's your advice to it, other parents? No, please jump well, in. So, well, so we started a nonprofit called Less Than Three. The last message that Gavin sent out was a less than three sign, which looks like a heart. Um, it's just the way prior to emojis, you just put it in text form and it looks like a heart. Little did I know that that, that symbol has multiple meanings. As I started studying mental health, I learned that the majority of suicides are impulsive, which was shocking to me. It's not someone struggling with mental health. It was an impulsive decision. Um, so we have taken up the rally cry of tomorrow needs you. Mm. Um, and trying to stress that to young people, if you can just make it to tomorrow, you'll see. Everyone's got such such a beautiful purpose within them. And the point is, is trying to find that to begin with. But you've got to make it to tomorrow to even get to that point. Um, we also found out that the time someone makes the decision to take their life to the time that they commit the act is typically 20 minutes. Wow. Which is heartbreaking. But if there is a gun involved, it is less than three minutes. Mm. Um, so like one of the things we want to do with the nonprofit is give out. I'm a big pro Second Amendment person. You know, Gavin grew up around guns, so it was never a fear of, you know, I understand he was a child in the eyes of the law, but in the South down here, you know, your kids are going out hunting at 14, 15 years old, and typically they have their own guns at that age. Um, and Gavin wasn't a hunter, but I never had a fear he understood gun safety. Gun safety you know, was a part of your family curriculum. Right. It wasn't about, and, right. So the parents that say, oh, my kid knows better. Bottom line, I don't have guns at my house now because I don't trust my own impulse whenever I have those down moments now. So I don't want to be tempted by having that there. But I want to provide free gun locks with the suicide hotline on every gun lock. I can only imagine how many veterans that are struggling go to their safe and grab that gun out and then see that hotline on there. And it just cause a difference in their life. Um, I want to stress mental fortitude, but the number one thing that I really want to focus on is spreading grace. We have forgotten it as a culture. Politics is a perfect example. Media is a perfect example. We're too busy judging people on who they were instead of who they are. Even though I'm in a political light, I refuse to delete anything off social media because I say, if you think what I said two weeks ago was stupid, look what I said two years ago. That's called growth. And you need to be able to see how you can get from point A to point B. And us as parents, we're too busy putting on filters and trying to act like our life is perfect so we can impress people that we really don't care about, that we're friends with online. And our kids see that. And our kids feel less than. And that puts them in this depressed state already of feel, I mean, especially that time of transitioning from a teenager to an adult. Um, and with the kids that just want to jump on, they just see this pile on or this cancel culture or whatever you want to call it. It's the, you know, the syndrome of they jumped in, so I've got to jump in. And what that's got to boil down to is grace. Thank you for doing what you're doing to raise awareness and to try to keep other families safe. Before we go, though, tell us how you want us to remember Gavin. First of all, as a broken kid. He was a kid. He made mistakes. I want to, I want to own his mistakes. I want to own my mistakes because I want people to understand that their mistakes don't matter as much. 
he was a kid that struggled just like anyone else. He struggled with faith. He struggled with girls. He struggled with confidence. He loved art. There's something that made him happy. He struggled with bullying because he was small. One of the most disappointing and yet one of the most happy moments of his life was whenever I was running for office. Do you follow basketball at all? I do. Okay. So LaMelo Ball is a Charlotte Hornet up here. Gavin's girlfriend thought LaMelo Ball was just the hottest guy around and would always talk about how hot LaMelo Ball was. So Gavin's in Charlotte riding around with his brother who loves cars. He sees LaMelo Ball's green Lamborghini, points it out. Gavin jumps out of the car while it's moving to run over there to it. (laughs) Gets in a parking garage, drops his pants in front of the car, and takes a picture with his butt cheek showing and just types <laughs> F mellow and puts it on Snapchat. This is in the middle of me running for the state house <laughs> and his username on Snapchat is baby Guffy. And I was like, Oh God. So it ended up going viral cause mellow, uh, put out a message or something and said, y'all handle my lightweight. Well then once it went viral, Gavin was extremely happy because he finally like made some big splash on social media and, of course, he took it down because he, I think they were worried about legal trouble if somebody did go and attack him. And then the next day he goes and he takes his money for a guy that he doesn't like, goes and buys a LaMelo T-shirt, and then posts a picture like this, smiling. like, sorry, Melo, I won't ever show my tail on uh, Instagram again. And I mean, but he enjoyed having fun. He was just a classic teenager. There was nothing... I would always tell them I want them to make mistakes because you learn from mistakes, but I, want, I just don't want you to make any permanent mistakes. And sadly, he made the ultimate one. Um, but I do think that if Gavin was here to be able to share, I think he would have a different outlook. I know I have. Um, whenever I spoke at Gavin's funeral, one of the things that I said, you know, our personalities were completely different. I grew up as this more of an alpha male personality. And Gavin was my artsy, funny, um, you know, just happy in who he was, kid. We were different, but he taught me so much as a father, just watching him and how he loved life. And then at his funeral, you know, I wore a pair of his shoes. He had, he always drew on his shoes or drew on his shirts, whatever he could do. But he had this pair of vans that he painted all white. And then he had a bunch of black marker and it had, Chinese symbols, I wore them on it whenever I uh, passed his law. I wore them on the house floor, so it looks weird with the suit and these uh, bright white sneakers with writing all on them. Um, but I said during the funeral that it's, it's hard to sum up someone's life in 30 minutes, but it's even more difficult to know that it will take the rest of my life to fill the shoes that that 17-year-old wore. He just made such a huge impact. Well, Representative Guffey, you... Uh, have made and are making an impact with your work, your efforts to keep other families and other young people safe and to bring to justice those who would endanger them. So I am so sorry for your loss, but I am profoundly grateful for the work that you're doing. Thank you so much. And thank you for sharing your story with me here today. Thank you for having me on, helping get the message out. You have a great afternoon.